welcome to the Astro Guy Podcast. I'm not an expert, I'm an amateur like you. I'm here to learn and here to teach. So let's enjoy the ride together. Carpe Noctum, seize the night. I'm your host, Wayne Zool, and this is the Astro Guy Podcast. Much like March, April of this year features most of the naked eye planets ruling the morning sky. So if you're an early riser and you've got a good eastern horizon, the planets will be putting on a nice show. On the morning of April 4th, Mars and Saturn will appear to be about a half a degree apart in the pre-dawn sky. At about 5.35 a.m., the pair will be about 10 degrees above the south-southeastern horizon. Brilliant Venus will be about 7 degrees to the left of the pair. Saturn will appear brighter than Mars as it's glowing at magnitude 0.87, while Mars is at 0.99. So, while they'll be pretty similar in brightness, they will contrast quite a bit in color. Saturn will have a pale yellowish tint, while Mars displays a ruddy copper color. At this separation, they will make a stunning pair in a telescope at low power. On the morning of the 5th, Mars will be just below and to the left of Saturn, and by the 6th, the pair will be separated by about a degree. Jupiter emerges from the twilight glow on the 10th of the month, but on the morning of the 16th, there will be a majestic line of four bright naked eye planets for your enjoyment. Jupiter will be very low, just a couple of degrees above the horizon and just south of east. Venus will be much easier to spot above and to the right of Jupiter. Mars is next, as it leads the way to Saturn, which is the furthest south of the bunch. This lineup should look amazing, but you'll need an excellent eastern horizon to see it well. I'm looking forward to seeing all the images of this lineup. On the morning of the 23rd, the Moon joins in on the fun, appearing even farther south than Saturn. Over the next several mornings, the moon will slide its way beneath the line of planets. The highlight of this will occur on the morning of the 27th, when Jupiter, Venus, and the very thin waning crescent moon make a beautiful triangle in the morning sky. Any clear morning, I'd urge you to go out and look as the planets do their dance across the sky. It is a wonderful sight. Uranus is very low in the west at sunset and Neptune is lost in the glow of twilight for this month. The best time to catch Mercury is at the end of April, as on the 29th it will be at its greatest eastern elongation from the Sun, meaning that it's at its furthest point east of the Sun. At sunset, Mercury will be about 18 degrees above the horizon, so it will still be pretty low in the west as darkness falls, but for Mercury it will appear high. On the 30th, Mercury will begin moving westward and will appear closer to the Sun each evening. So try to spot it while you can. 
There is a minor meteor shower that peaks on the night of the 22nd going into the 23rd. The Lyrid meteors normally produces about 20 meteors per hour at its peak, but the waning gibbous moon will likely interfere with many of the fainter meteors. The meteors will appear to radiate from the constellation Lyra the Lyre, so it is best to scan the skies about 20 degrees away from Lyra. This shower is made up of dust particles from Comet Thatcher, which was discovered in 1861. If you happen to be in the southern part of South America on the 30th, you can catch a partial solar eclipse. The best viewing of this will occur in Argentina, where the moon will occult 53% of the sun. If you're ever going to look at the sun, you must use a proper filter, as even very short glimpses can cause permanent damage to your eyes. So please be careful. Moving out of the solar system, we'll keep it feline as we explore the constellations Leo the Lion and its baby, Leo Minor. As April begins, the zodiacal constellation Leo is about 30 degrees above the southeastern horizon at sunset. By month's end, it will be about 60 degrees high in the south at sunset, making it easy to explore on April evenings. Leo is pretty easy to spot, as it actually sort of looks like the side view of a lion. The head and mane are made up of the sickle asterism, which to me and many others looks like a backwards question mark, while the rest of the brighter stars in the constellation make up the lion's body and tail. The brightest star in Leo is Regulus, which is a blue-white star that shines at magnitude 1.34. Like many stars, Regulus is not a lone wolf or lion, as the case may be, but it is actually a double star. Its companion can be spotted using binoculars, as it lies almost three arc minutes away from bright Regulus. The companion glows at magnitude 7.7, .7, so you'll definitely need a telescope or binoculars to pick it out. Regulus is relatively nearby. It is 77.5 light years away from us. Denebola, or Beta Leonis, lies at the other end of the constellation and represents the tail of the lion. Denebola is a blue-white star. While it is fainter than Regulus, shining at magnitude 2.23, it is less than half the distance away lying only 36 light years distant. To me, the most beautiful star within Leo is the double star Algeba, which means the forehead. It is also known as Gamma Leonis and can be easily located as the middle star in the sickle. A tad brighter than Denebola, Algeba glows with a total magnitude of 2.2. The primary star is an orange giant shining at magnitude 2.6. The secondary star is a yellow giant of magnitude 3.6. The pair is split pretty easily in any telescope. They are separated by four arc seconds, so you'll need to boost the magnification to see it easily. They are a beautiful pair. The two stars are about 130 light years away from us. 
even though the two are separated from each other by about four times the distance between the Sun and Pluto, at this distance the separation appears small. In 2009, a planet was discovered orbiting the primary star in the system. The spring is often referred to as galaxy season by many amateur astronomers as we're in the part of our orbit around the Sun where at night we're looking away from the center of the Milky Way, our home galaxy, and looking out into the cosmos. Not to disappoint, Leo holds many galaxies that can be seen with amateur telescopes. There are five Messier galaxies within Leo. The two that are the easiest to observe are M65 and M66, which make up two-thirds of the Leo triplet. Yes, there's a third galaxy, the Hamburger Galaxy, or NGC 3628, which makes a beautiful trio of galaxies that looks stunning in a low-power eyepiece. To spot this trio, start at Denebola and sweep west just seven degrees, and you should easily spot M65 and M66. M66 is the brightest of the trio, shining at magnitude 8.92, and appears about halfway between edge-on and straight-on. Fainter M65 is only 20 arc minutes away, and appears more edge-on and glows dimly at magnitude 10.25. The Hamburger Galaxy is 35 arc minutes north of M66, and in long exposures it does resemble a hamburger nestled in a bun. It is an edge-on galaxy that glows at magnitude 9.48. Likely, Charles Messier missed this because it is larger in appearance than its neighbors, so its light is more spread out. From a dark sky, I have been able to spot these galaxies with 10 by 50 binoculars. However, they are best seen in a 6-inch or larger telescope. A bit further to the west, you'll find another trio of galaxies, M95, M96, and M105. To locate them, you can start at Regulus and sweep 9.5 degrees due east, and you should have the trio in a low-power eyepiece. They are also pretty easy to spot with binoculars from a dark sky location, but observing them with a telescope will reveal subtle details. All three of these galaxies lie about 20 million light-years away from us. In a small telescope, they will reveal themselves as fuzzy blobs, but in an 8-inch or larger telescope, you should be able to see modeling and some hints of spiral structure. M96 is the brightest of the three, at magnitude 9.25, while M95 and M105 are both around magnitude 9.75. While M95 and M96 are both spiral galaxies, M105, which lies about one degree north of M96, is an elliptical galaxy. Leo has hundreds of galaxies within its borders, but we'll take a look at only one more. NGC 2903 is a barred spiral galaxy about 25 million light-years away. It was discovered by Sir William Herschel in 1784. 
Besides being relatively bright at ninth magnitude, this galaxy is very similar in size and shape to the Milky Way, our home galaxy. To spot NGC 2903, start at Algeba and sweep 11 degrees east and then 1.5 degrees north, and you should see a fuzzy elongated glow. I've observed this in an 18-inch telescope, and the spiral structure was evident, while in smaller scopes, I haven't been able to spot that structure. LEO is also the radiant for the annual Leonid meteor shower, which peaks around November 15th and 16th each year. The Leonid's parent body is periodic comet Temple-Tuttle. Outbursts occur every 33 years or so, the last one happening in 2002. This shower usually produces between 10 and a couple of hundred meteors per hour at its peak. However, in 2002, the count was around 3,000 per hour. I had the pleasure of seeing this from the dark skies in Vermont, and it was one of the most incredible things I've ever witnessed. Moving on, we're going to examine Leo's neighbor, Leo Minor. This is one of the smaller constellations in the sky, ranking in size at 64 of the 88 recognized constellations. Its name means the Lesser Lion. There are no bright stars in the constellation. The brightest star is an orange giant that glows at magnitude 3.8. Of note is the star Beta Leon Minoris. It is a double star whose companion lies only one arc second away from the primary star, which is similar to our Sun, but larger. You'll need a big scope and very good seeing to try to split this pair. What Leo Minor lacks in bright stars, it makes up for it with a wealth of deep sky objects, most of which are distant galaxies, but they can be fun to explore. The constellation is found just north of its bigger namesake, Leo, and just south of Ursa Major. There are no Messier or Caldwell objects in Leo Minor. One of the most interesting galaxies in Leo Minor is NGC 3432, which is commonly called the Knitting Needle Galaxy, as it is seen on edge from our perspective. You can find it by starting at Leo Minor's brightest star Beta Leo Minoris, or Presapua, which I'm probably mispronouncing, and sweeping two and a half degrees north. In a telescope, you should see a small fuzzy line of diffuse light about five or six arc minutes long. The galaxy glows dimly at magnitude 11.6, so you'll want to use at least a six-inch scope from dark skies to spot it. The knitting needle lies about 42 million light years away from us, and it is moving away from us at a rate of about 382 miles per second. There are lots of other galaxies in Leo Minor. However, most are faint and only observed with an 8-inch or larger telescope from dark skies. There are at least two pairs of interacting galaxies within Leo Minor, meaning that they're gravitationally interacting with each other. The brightest pair is NGC 3395 and 3396, which are just fainter than 12th magnitude. However, 
These are best seen in deep sky images or with a much larger telescope. The oddest deep sky object in Leo Minor is called Hanny's Vorwerp, and it is not visible in amateur telescopes. It was discovered in 2007 by a Dutch teacher named Hanny van Arkel, who was participating in the Galaxy Zoo project. It is located in the spiral galaxy IC2497, which is more than 650 million light years away. The galaxy has a hole in it that measures 16,000 light years across. Astronomers believe that the Vorwerp is the light echo of a quasar that is now inactive. Wow! I hope that you will go out and explore some of the wonders that we went over. Well, that's all for this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope that you found our time together to be fun and helpful. If you have questions or episode suggestions, please email us at astroguypodcast at gmail.com or leave us a text or a voicemail at 973-404-0380. If you're not already a member, please join the Astro Guy podcast group on Facebook. You'll find other members, videos, blogs, and other useful information there for your enjoyment. You can also visit our YouTube channel, The Astro Guy Podcast, for past episodes and other surprises. Please consider leaving us a review on your podcast platform. It helps us to get new listeners. Thank you again for listening, and may your skies be clear. As always, Carpe Noctum. Seize the night. I'm Wayne Zool, and this was the Astro Guy Podcast. Thank you for listening. As always, your questions, comments, and suggestions are welcome. Keep wondering. Keep your eyes on the sky. Have fun. Carpe Noctum. Seize the night.